Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarinu, and today I have the pleasure to connect to Australia, far That's away right. from Switzerland with Kevin Shimoda. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Effie. And uh, you said my last name. I don't know how to say your last name. P- Pilarino? How, That's how pretty good. That? Pretty good. Pretty <laughs> good. So is what's the origin of your last name? My last name is Czech Republic, um, okay. but I'm American, and I grew and they uh, immigrated about 150 years ago. My my last name did, and so it 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 adapted in America, and it's so it's far, it's disconnected from the Czech Republic, and now it's more similar to Japanese. Exactly, that's that and that's it, what I would have thought, and and you're in Australia, and that's it, right. you you have been. Uh, instrumental uh, in WeChat's uh, development as you were the the global head of uh, marketing and partnerships. I can say whatever I like about you, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. I was instrumental at WeChat, whether if you mean instrumental in its success or instrumental in its failures globally. So either way, a lot of that was my fault. We, because we're going to put this in a time frame. You were there between yeah. 2016 and 2019. So we'll have the opportunity to talk about what happened when during your uh, time at WeChat Perfect. and, and uh, a little bit, you know, the history. And just for our listeners um, to share some of your background, I understand that you uh, were at Accenture involved in partnerships and uh, the last couple of years you have been running the um, podcast called the the great uh, fireside chat podcast that's right and now you have finally released and published uh, your book which is the main topic yeah you can see it yeah hold it up it is really the first super app and I guess the subtitle is Inside China's WeChat. Yeah, that's Inside China. It's the first super app, Inside China's WeChat and the new digital revolution. So now we're hearing a lot of buzzwords about the word super app, but this is about the first one, which is unequivocally WeChat, which is uh, the super app that everyone's really talking about, but sometimes they don't realize. Yeah, and... and um. I, I would suggest to our listeners to to read one of Ron Shevlin's Forbes uh, recent articles. Yeah, on, that was this morning. On, yeah, why why the, in the U.S. there won't be any super app, and and I'm sure you you know tell us really how did WeChat start? What were the first services that they were offering? Okay, so getting right into it. I love that, Effie. So getting, okay, so 
you got my background and it's actually i was actually at wechat for four years um actually just starting one year earlier in 2015 and before that i was at boeing that's my full background so you got okay i got those three big brands boeing tencent and accenture um for my credibility and now this book is the first thing I've done as an actual independent, not wearing the suit of some big company. Me stepping out of my bounds at, at like 33 later in life. Um, but okay, so WeChat, and uh, I, I think it's a kind of an interesting question of what are the first services. WeChat never intended to be a super app. There still is no word for super app in Chinese. The word Where, super where did it come is, from, really? Europe yeah, that's a great question. You know, there's uh, there's not really a clear answer. Um, the term super app pre it it existed before WeChat in a sense, but it was just kind of used liberally and didn't really mean anything. And then it really started to coalesce to mean one thing, and that is the things which WeChat has accomplished, which is an amazing, a great product experience while having a very expansive ecosystem with lots and lots of content, products and services and things that you can purchase and interact with on there. Um, where it actually came from in the West, when did they start going, We WeChat is a super app and super app is the only way to explain WeChat, probably around late 2016, 2017. Okay. The, the first time um, Connie Chan, who's now a partner at Andreessen Horowitz, has is probably the person that wrote about WeChat in the best capacity, the highest capacity, the best value writing on WeChat, best analysis outside of China. Um, and she was covering it in early 2014, 2015. And she wrote an article in 2015 called One App to Rule Them All, kind of playing on Lord of the Rings. And she writes about WeChat as it first has the chatting app. And then the social media aspect of moments, which is basically Facebook wall in WeChat and combining those two really seamlessly, something that Facebook has tried to do with Messenger and Facebook wall, but never really did successfully. So they finally split the two. So WeChat provides a seamless experience for those two and then brings on businesses and then allows businesses to transact on WeChat with WeChat Pay with little kind of, they're called web apps or web the micro, browser purchases the micro, the micro um apps. apps yeah yeah and so these web apps are kind of like what we see in the west like shopify they're they're website e-commerce but in in china because wechat was so prolific so popular and so ubiquitous they started people companies and developers started uh how would you say optimizing those website purchasing experiences for WeChat. Then as that gets really optimized and really smooth, a year later, you get many programs. But first, it's just like, it's like Shopify, like all these website e-commerce that you see, DTC, direct-to-consumer that you're seeing a lot of big brands doing, all within, but a lot of it's happening on WeChat. So then they go, hey, all this is happening on WeChat, let's optimize for WeChat. Kind of like in the West when you can buy things on desktop and on mobile, but but certain people know for certain categories like, hey, 80% of our customers are mobile. Let's optimize for mobile, mm -hmm. not for desktop. So how does this differ from a marketplace like, you know, Amazon marketplace? It, because it is different. Mm. 
Yeah, well, I, I'd say WeChat in general, its platform strategy is to be much more open than what Amazon and Alibaba, eBay have done. What they do is they give you, they kind of give you a shop, a shop, uh, a they kind of give you a, a shop square in the marketplace of Amazon, and they say you can sell goods. And in these little square, you have your big square, which is your shop, and you have little square of the goods that you can sell, and you have a price, etc. What WeChat gives you is a lot more flexible, more similar to Apple OS operating system is like you have an app and you can kind of do anything. It could be a shop window, but it also could be much more. Uh, it could be a service. It could be a game. It could be less education lessons. Um, <clears throat> and going back to Connie, like that Connie Chan thing, she wrote about it in 2016 and she said, this is an app that you can do everything in. And that was before many programs. And she gets really close to calling it a super app. She calls it like a mega app. You know, it's like this big app yeah. and she gets really close. And then six months later, super apps, or, sorry, many programs come out. And once they come out, now you just have like an operating system within WeChat. And then it all just everyone. Now, now the only thing they can think of is calling it a super app. But Kevin, mini programs yeah. is something that was born not only as a concept, but also as a word within mm. WeChat world, right? It's not Westerners trying to, to get their head around, wrap their head around, you know, uh, what, what WeChat is. Yeah. I would say mini programs as we see it, and it's also called mini apps in the West, is a Chinese invention. It's a WeChat innovation. Similar things did exist. You have Java has this thing called applets, which are kind of like Java is, is basically it's trying to create something that's similar to the open worldwide web, like yeah. like terms that we talk about web one web two web three when you're on web one it's all it's all um open protocols it's all like web browsers etc then you're on web two you're like you're locked into facebook you can't leave um okay. it's trying to create something in between the two where you have something like a web browser um but it's then much more a native experience within wechat and then you can kind of do different things with it um there were similar things in the west none of them really took off um, and then WeChat made this thing mini program. And I, I was a I was the person that named it mini program. We kind of had to name it that to avoid people thinking it's apps and it's another operating system because that that feels competitive. So we go with mini programs because it, it really is something new and we don't want it to be an app replacement. We want it right. to be a new concept of a super website that's WeChat optimized. So so it does is the culture and the feeling in china similar to the west or the developed world where we are like oh not another app you know to download yeah. uh, um it, it, was that something that you were also thinking about when the mini programs were marketed as as such good question and 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 I didn't come up with the idea of mini program. This is very much the founder. And then I, but actually I had to think about marketing it because at first it wasn't clear if this was going to be successful. Okay. And I think that's for me, something I um, even kind of before I answer that question is, is many, I want to say that super apps is a journey and it's, you're getting to this end place where you can have something like a mini program ecosystem, which kind of means 
you can have developers and businesses create pretty much anything within your app platform. And they're so, the mini programs are so sophisticated. They're almost as powerful as apps, but you don't really have to download anything. They're all like half a megabyte, one megabyte. So it's like you have, it's, you have this perfect union of the, the lightness of a website with the, the flexibility and complexity of, of uh, I guess you would say functionality of an app. But in the beginning, it's, it's actually a big development ask for businesses. Are you really going to develop an entire app for WeChat? I mean, would companies really develop an entire app for Facebook? Maybe, maybe not. They'll do a Facebook page, but maybe they won't make a whole app. It's a big ask because as a developer, you've got iOS and Android. So for us, I guess why it's important to say that is you can only introduce something like mini programs when you already have a lot of momentum. At that point, when WeChat comes out, it's not 800, 900 million users. They're using it two, three times. They're using about 80 minutes a day, which is two or three times the average of people using Facebook. So the usage time is really high. But then I'm on that marketing team. I'm on the marketing team. And my job is to help businesses figure out what the heck a mini program is. Because BMW goes, you know, BMW or Burberry, they go, well, we have an app. We have a website. What yeah. is this mini program? What is this thing? And, it, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like when Steve Jobs releases iPad, he goes, you have iPhone, you have laptop, iPad is the new thing. Um, I think I like to think that mini program was a little and it's in between. I like to think mini program ended up being, it actually ended up being very successful, maybe even more successful than iPad in that relative example. Um, <clears throat> but then, so, and then to go back to your question, kind of what are super apps or sorry, what are these mini programs and what, what are they useful for? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it, a lot of them were just clear examples of, of taking, you don't want to take something, everything an app does. Like if you're Nike, you want to sell a certain set of shoes or in the beginning, it was just certain examples. I got you. Now, you mentioned developers and, and you mentioned, you know, um, let's say the app store uh, for, for um, iOS users. How does this world compare? I guess you have developers for mini programs, right? And, yeah. and, and is WeChat, is that open to developers? Is there a developer community um, that, that, WeChat is taking care of and providing tools and so on. And could you tell us a little bit about how it may differ with what is happening in AOS or, or our other developer um, mm. platforms? And, and mm. I'm asking, you know, for me, that the real question is, is there a focus on this developer community? And at the end of the day, how much of the revenues are shared? Because, mm. you know, this is this is really, you know, rent sharing, rent seeking. And, and yeah. so, so may, maybe too many questions. But if you know, that's OK, some I just, I'm glad I started to write notes as you asked those questions so that <laughs> I, I don't lose myself. I, I, th I lost your last question. I think I lost it and didn't answer it correctly. Okay. So this time I'm going to write notes. Um, so developer community. So there is about 1 million mini program developers. So 
the so the precursor to this mini program concept was business accounts it's kind of like actually facebook tried to kind of copy this on messenger they made a facebook messenger business account um but then it's kind of more i think it's more similar so that that was i, I don't even know those still exist but they were kind of bizarre and not very successful um it's more similar to on facebook you have a business page so that's oh. your business account you can interact with the business you can I think the biggest thing is you you like or follow the business that posts stuff. Um, with WeChat, they had official accounts um, in the beginning, and that was the main place where your business was. But but there was, and you could attach websites to that, but you couldn't do, it was kind of limited what you could do. Um, and then it was similar to that Facebook page. Then many programs came out, and they were more like this mini app, and you needed a lot more development. And the the official account, the business page, you just applied for it. You just kind of set it up and it was there with the mini programs, similar to the apps in iOS or Android, you need to submit them and they need to go through an approval process. Okay. And to submit them, you need to be a registered developer. And that was kind of different. The original platform was much more open internet. You just have a page and then you just link to things. Um, but then this developer is much more, more similar to iOS and Android. And so it was about, God, it was like one year in, I think there was, I, I don't remember the exact numbers. I do know that WeChat reached 1 million registered developers. I think that was about two years in. Um, and it reached around, gosh, it was, it was a few million mini programs. I can't remember the exact number again. Um, but you have a very, I mean, a million, I know they reached a million Bye, developers at some point, which is massive. Um, it's probably is gets close to the developer numbers of iOS, which is incredible. Um, China is a very big market uh, for a consumer market. It's also a big developer market. So there's how uh, WeChat and Tencent engages with the community. You have users is the big one. I'd say the big three are users, businesses, and developers. And developers and businesses obviously kind of come together sometimes. Sometimes they're one thing. Then the next, the fourth one would be government. And as you're a big platform, you're thinking about how do I enable all of these people coming onto my platform? How do I enable them to in interact with each other? That's like developers developing things for the businesses. And then um, how do I enable the developers to create things on their own without a business? And that's where games come into play. Um, okay. So the revenue sharing. So originally, okay, so there's pretty much it's just if a developer can make a mini program that's really interesting to users, they can put ads on it, which is really similar to iOS. You can put ads on, you could you're, yeah. you can put ads on those apps and we all know how annoying those are. You start using an ad and, or an app and yeah. then ads come up. So that's, that's something they can do and they can do revenue sharing. I think it's about 50% revenue share. They can make games and again, 50% revenue share or they can have in-game purchases and you can use WeChat Pay to buy things in the game, and that can be revenue sharing as well. Um, and then there's obviously the the big one more recently is the GMV, the gross merchandise value, basically e-commerce within mini programs. And that's the one that's really been increasing the last few years, and which has really kind of been taking a bite out of e-commerce. And that's that's the big direct-to-consumer trend, which is big in China and also big in the West with Shopify and other things, companies trying to sell directly to users and yep. kind of go around Amazon and eBay and these other platforms. 
I, I, I understand. Now, we chat the way you, you've described it and, you know, from all that I have uh, uh, read is a little universe, metaverse in, in, in itself, right? We, yeah. we can start uh, thinking of it uh, uh, like that. How do you think that the fact that Tencent is such a big player in the gaming industry has anything to do with the design and the successful, if you want, design and user experience of WeChat? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, interesting question. Uh, yes. Simple answer is yes. Um, Tencent does very well at user experience. I think it does the best in China. They know users. They know how to give users and people a great experience. In the business world, we call that 2C, to consumer, to users. That's what they do well. WeChat, the um, founder of WeChat and the, the current CEO of WeChat, the, it, which is a group in within Tencent. His name's Alan Zhang. And when you're at WeChat, whenever you're going to go talk to Alan Zhang or be related to him in any way, you know that he's just going to ask pretty much one thing, and it's what's the value to the user? What's the value to the user? That's all he cares about. The head of Tencent, Pony Ma, is a similar mindset. What's the value to the user? Now, the reason why I bring that up is Tencent does really well thinking about user experience, and that's gaming is also user experience, all of these things. But when it comes to business experience, that's when they lag behind Alibaba uh, and, and some of those other platforms in, in China. Alibaba knows what businesses want. They know how they know businesses needs. They think about those needs and they weigh them in compared to a user's needs. And they, they kind of weigh them up and decide who's going to win. But Tencent, it's always user first. Yeah. And businesses don't always like that. Kevin, the other thing that... Um... Uh, I have uh, noticed is that Tencent is a very aggressive international investor as a VC, if you want. Uh, yeah. You know, I can't distinguish which ones are strategic or not. I mean, uh, many of them look strategic, but they're very aggressive internationally um, in and in fintech specifically in financial yeah. services and broadly speaking in financial services. Does that also, do you, did you feel that culture or is it something that, you know, being within China, within Tencent in China is not something that you think affects what, you know, uh, is done there and, and especially WeChat, which is very, Chinese, very domestic for now? Yeah, you're asking the right questions. So this is an interesting one. First off, you're totally right. Tencent's investments are aggressive and very successful. I don't know. They, there's one thing to know is that Tencent is really good at investments. And the reason why I say that is they bought, a, they bought for example, Riot Games for $100 million dollars. Oh, I think it was around 100 million. And then it was like three years later, the two years later, the company's making $100 million revenue. And then a, never, a few years later, it's up $1 billion and then $2 billion revenue. And now the company's worth $20 billion, who knows. 
Riot Games is massively successful. Um, but so it's one is they're good at doing investments. They have a good investment arm. But two is that investment and gaming is a part of Tencent's overall strategy. And let me kind of try to explain that is that you asked me before, why is WeChat so successful? And it does, is it owed to that gaming heritage in that, in the UX okay. heritage? And definitely. So Tencent at its, at its core, what Tencent does in potentially this is the same as Facebook is Tencent wants to be wherever humans interact. So it's funny you talking about WeChat as a metaverse. I've never really thought of about WeChat as a metaverse. It's just more like this chatting app that has is the entry to a lot of things. But Tencent wants to be wherever humans interact. And when the Tencent founders played games, digital games 15, 20 years ago, they go, whoa, these online interactions are incredibly complex. And this is a precursor to some type of metaverse dozens of years of in the future. And so all, almost all of Tencent games are going to be mo online multiplayer games, which is how people interact in a more interesting way. So WeChat, a part, a big part of its strategy, doesn't have much doesn't do too much advertisements, doesn't even do too much kind of taking a cut of their pay, their massive WeChat Pay, which processes some 20, 30 trillion US dollars a year. Um, instead, it plugs in their gaming, their games to WeChat so that when you get on the game, you see all your friends are on there and boom, you're all playing together and you can pay in WeChat pay. So it, oh, it wow. makes their games successful um, and it makes their investments successful in games. This is very interesting, Kevin, because I yeah. was, um, I wrote an article recently just when the news came out that um, uh, Facebook is, is rebranding their uh, Facebook pay to meta pay and, mm. and the questions that I was asking myself and, and sharing uh, in the blog was, okay, obviously this rebranding means that Facebook wants to take a big piece of the payment uh, space in the metaverse and who right. is there. And if you look in the West, I mean, for now, it's mainly people pay with credit cards and their microtransactions mm -hmm. and, and so on. But there are big game players that have, you know, payments as a service. And I'm wondering here, and by the way, we don't have the integrations that you spoke about because you're telling me that play, game, gamers in the Tencent game uh, world can pay with WeChat. We don't right. have that in in the West, right? So, so, so that's something the, yeah. That that is that is extremely important. Um, do can can gamers hold their tokens in WeChat? So there are there there is always limitations because limitations. I, I read I read that Forbes article. Um, I read the Forbes article earlier today about Subras. What happened in the West and. There are things, there are a lot of things that I kind of disagreed with. And, 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 and a few of them are Google. They say that Google Play, Google App Store, there is some Android app stores in China. And well, basically, whenever you purchase a digital good, you always have to pay some 30% fee to one of the app stores. And every platform has some funny workaround. So you're on, Am you're on Amazon on your phone. 
and you want to buy a Kindle book, you're on your phone, it will say this book is unavailable. And then you go, that's weird. And this is in the West. And then you go, let me go on Amazon on my computer. And then it'll go, would you like to buy the book? You can buy it. And it's because when you're on your phone, whether on Android or iOS, if you could buy that, that Kindle, a digital product, then you're going to pay a 30% fee to the app store. But um, Tencent has found some type of workaround. Sometimes you buy, you can spend, you spend WeChat pay to buy some coins online or buy different things online. So they have, they got some workarounds you can be on another app. They have workarounds. You can buy digital goods with WeChat pay. I'm pretty sure I'd have to double check what the current situation is, but you can pretty much use WeChat Pay and Alipay for almost anything in China. And what what about what we call uh, NFTs? And in, in, in China, they're called digital collectibles. Is is WeChat uh, and Tencent, I mean, I'm sure Tencent is involved, but is WeChat enabling those purchases and or, or not? Definitely. I, pretty, much, pretty much it's something like, 80% of payments in China are mobile payments. And then 99.99% of payments that were mobile payments are WeChat Pay, Alipay, with about 55, 45 split, a little more on the Alipay side. So everything's WeChat Pay, Alipay. Um, I don't have, I don't know if there are any current cases for using WeChat Pay to buy NFTs. I'm sure that if you, if it is, if you can, buying NFT in China or these digital collectibles, I'm sure WeChat Pay would be somewhere along the process. It would be like you would spend WeChat Pay to fund some crypto wallet, and then you would use that to buy an NFT. But Tencent's making a lot of investments in the digital collectibles um, space because, again, they do really want to be in the metaverse. They want to be where humans interact. That's where they think they make the most money. So is the, do do they have a, a, an edge over uh, Alibaba and Ant Group in terms of the prospects of the metaverse, whatever it's going to be? <laughs> Absolutely, the metaverse is humans interacting with each other, and then businesses are going to come in and try to put their ads in front of people's eyeballs in the metaverse. You know, you see Ready Player One; he's like, I can cover forty percent of their digital screen until they until they have some problems. So um, Tencent is all about, is does user experience and human experience really well. They're all about where humans interact. The entire super app strategy for WeChat has been being an excellent place, excellent communication, an excellent tool for humans that interact with one another, pay to one another, um, spend time with one another, and then introduce things like their games, like their investments, um, like their investments overseas, introduce those to users on the Tencent ecosystem within WeChat, and then they will definitely succeed. So they kind of, sometimes you don't see the way that WeChat or Tencent monetizes because what they'll do is they'll invest in a company and then they'll kind of, they'll optimize that company for WeChat and introduce that company to WeChat, give them a massive amount of traffic, and then that will help that investment succeed. I got you. And just to... Yeah. Elfie, just really quick, just to go back to your earlier question about the international investments, yeah. it's WeChat and Tencent. They're very Chinese. They they are very China focused. When you talk to Pony Ma and Alan Zhang, generally they'll tell you they know China, they know Chinese, they know the Chinese diaspora, but they don't really know international. So 
those international aggressive investments, commonly what Tencent does is they go, we see this product. It looks really good. It's successful in this country. We're going to buy you or invest in you. And then we're going to step back. You keep like Riot Games, you can in uh, League of Legends. It's like you keep doing your thing in the United States. You keep operating your own way. We're buying you 100%. We own you. But we want you to keep running. We don't want to change anything you're doing. And then we're going to launch your product in China. So we'll just kind of be like your China partners. And that's how Tencent operates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Take the investment and, and uh, offer it as a service within the mini yeah. programs of, of, of WeChat. Exactly. Is there something that, um, because what you described is like flows from the outside into the, the, the super app. Um, is there something that goes the other way? Meaning, um, is there, does WeChat offer something as a service to not China, I'm thinking more to Southeast Asian countries, um, giving their, you know, some type of infrastructure uh, that is used in other countries, especially in Southeast Asia, or not really? I'm not exactly yet. sure. I know what you mean. Can you kind of give an example of what you mean? Well, I mean, let let's uh, think of Thailand or or Malaysia yeah. or, or or those uh, countries, and and uh, WeChat has built this infrastructure for me as a small business to launch my mini program. Will yeah. WeChat give that infrastructure to a Malaysian company to use it as a white label? infrastructure to to build their own platform it might not be yeah okay correct. well let me let me try to answer let me try to answer my the question as best as i can and like think of well everything wechat is going to be on the wechat platform and the wechat platform is pretty much all chinese people so if you're on it's pretty much all chinese users in china or the chinese diaspora and some people related to china and doing business with china um and then they have, they, uh, WeChat has tried to make kind of this mini store, mini program format to make it easier. I kind of told you about mini program, the barrier to entry for mini program is pretty high. It's developing almost kind of a small app. And because that's so high, more recently, what they've tried to do is make templated mini programs, like a mini store so that uh, mom and pop could just open a simple store on there. Now, so... These things are, you could kind of say that's like that mini store is kind of a white label store that then you can go and put your own branding on. And it appears like your own little shop. Like it appears like you've created your own mini program. And, and, and so they're trying to enable a lot of small business owners. Actually, it's also trying to pair it really well with the influencer economy because there's so many influencers on TikTok, Show, and these other platforms. <clears throat> um and they want to, they're trying to find ways to monetize their fame and connecting it with a mini store to more easily purchase and like purchase and sell goods and services on, on uh, WeChat is a one way to do it. And WeChat now has channels, which competes with Douyin. It's a short video platform, still not as impressive as TikTok's sister Douyin and Show, but it's gaining popularity and they kind of try to put more monetization and e-commerce onto it. But I think that ByteDance is doing a better job of picking up the e-commerce side of things 
um, and catching up there where WeChat's trying to catch up to the short video side of things and is much is slower, is slower in to, than catching up. Not sure if that answers your question about kind of yeah. I mean, I, I I I understand. I mean, for me, uh, it's just it seems that um, WeChat is not done. They continue to to mm. innovate, right? It it's not uh, it's not just about okay uh, if they have. Um, uh, X number of users, uh, be it retail, be it e-commerce, they're just trying to increase that number. They're also continuously innovating in terms of the um, integrations that that you're talking about, and and making it much easier for their users to to do business, right? Right. I think WeChat is always improving. It's it's pretty incredible. It's always, and it's always kind of top of class when it comes to user experience. Once you, you use WeChat for a few months, you get used to it. Then you come back to something like Messenger, Facebook. You'll really start to feel the difference. WeChat kind of really, really goes for user experience, really tries to save users time do things easily, efficiently, where things like Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, it's going, hey, look over here. Hey, hey, look at this thing going on. And when you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even LinkedIn, you're so quickly getting distracted by all of this noise. You can't go to any of these homepages without 10 stories popping up on your face. There's nothing like that on WeChat. There's nothing yelling at you. You get on WeChat, and you see your chats and that's where you would be distracted, but this is direct messaging to people and you would have to opt into the kind of Facebook wall and look at some of those, but it's still, it's still in an ordered fashion, top down and not a big screen of a bunch of things show, like trying to yell at you and trying to get you to stick around. Um, it's so to back to your question, is it done yet? It's always, it's improving and it's still improving. It's always improving. It's figuring out what users like to do and then optimizing it. It's figuring out what are new trends like short videos and optimizing to that. It's still optimizing its mini program, e-commerce platform, tying it in with influencers. It's all optimizing that. Where I see WeChat being done is WeChat is going to struggle to go global. It's such a good product. Elon Musk is like, we need something like that in the West. But when you t- when you when you sit down and you talk to people at Tencent and WeChat, they go, I don't really know global. I don't really know how to do that. I don't really want, I, I'm not, I don't really interested in that. By dance, those guys and girls are much more globally minded. And they were able to launch a product that was good in China and then went global because they have a global mindset. Unfortunately, WeChat Tencent doesn't have that. But that's a huge opportunity for someone within China or outside to copy what WeChat has done or even what Alipay or Meituan has done. And actually, I think I see, I've, I've kind of heard of people hiring people from Alipay, Meituan, WeChat, and then making super app inspired apps in the West. Inspired apps, yeah. Yeah, but of course, you know, it's a totally different situation. First of all, for the simple reason that it's a, you're not, st- starting with a blank sheet of paper right and and building yeah. you have all these um, 
different uh, competing uh, forces that are like uh, bugs uh, that are going to come and you know uh, compete with you when when whereas WeChat and and Alibaba were in a very different uh, market structure also from a True. regulatory point point of view right um, True. I mean, it will be different. The super apps made in the West will be different. But the point is, is that the West is the best products are going to be products which combine some of China inspirations with the West. Oh, and that's yeah. what Shein is. That's what TikTok is. And actually, that's what some of the newest big things in the West are in crypto is they're taking Chinese product managers and they're they're helping getting them to help organize all of this crazy stuff in crypto because there's so much stuff organized in a way that's intelligent and smart that has been done before in China. And Xi'an is an example of that. When you use it, you go, there's so much information here, but it's so much better organized than things like Amazon and other things. And yeah. it becomes really quickly popular. And, and maybe the opportunity for the West is that, you know, given that the, the digital asset world, the digital world, meaning digital assets, and the metaverse, which can have the first killer apps or uh, use cases in in education, in in workplace, and in health, maybe that combination is where this type of super app uh, uh, starts uh, and, totally. and succeeds purely in the digital space, and then of course gets integrated with with the physical uh space you don't know yeah. don't know where it will um succeed right but that yeah. that could be uh, a potential place where where these ideas can can uh, come together better than Effie, they I, think, I think you got a startup idea right there i think yeah. that's the new that's the solution <laughs> i it's something that intelligently combines several industries in a way that creates exactly. synergies and new opportunities. I it's it was really fun reading. I'm glad you mentioned the Forbes article this morning. I I read through it really quickly. It's fun reading it because I I don't even know. I think it's wrong in so many places, and I just yep. don't even know where to start. Um, the thing where it's like Westerners are happily using a lot of different apps. Yes, yeah. I think that's completely wrong because when you start combining things, that's when new that's when new possibilities are created. Yep. You know, and that's that's oh, okay. Now these three things are in one place. Okay, whoa. Now we can, now this business model becomes viable. Um, and to, to give a try to give a quick example of this is when many programs were created, and WeChat had many programs and QR codes and WeChat Pay all combined. Something that became very a viable business model was bike share, and that's you take your phone. You walk up to a bike, like a Mobike, these stationless bikes, you scan the QR code, boom, you open the mini program, boom, that matches to your WeChat ID and then in your, your unique ID, and then boom, you hit pay with WeChat. And you can even automate saying, I'm automatically going to pay. So all you do is you scan your a bike okay. without downloading anything, paying without really paying anything, with paying like a one, 20 cents, and you're now riding a bike. <clears throat> when I... So that became really popular in China and it was exploding all this investment. Um, that's Mobike and Ofo. And that was this thing that happened four years ago. 
And then about a year later, I visit Seattle and there are these bikes, the same bikes everywhere because they went global and they're competing in China, Ofo and Mobike, for money from investors. And then to, to show that one, each side wants to show they're more global. So they both go global and they take the same business models globally. And globally, they have these QR codes and it says download the app to pay and everything. And all these, I talked to all my American friends in Seattle and they go, we don't know what those are. We don't know what QR codes are. We don't know why we download one. We don't really understand how you would pay for a digital service that's sitting in the middle of nowhere. And why would you do all of that work for something as simple and as kind of minimal as a bicycle? And that model doesn't make sense outside of the business of, of the mini program and super app world. So there's things like that. There's like karaoke boxes that you just pay, you scan the QR code and you pay one RMB to like kind of go in there for 10 minutes and sing a song. There are just all these interesting, strange little things offline and online that become possible when you start combining all these things into one place, which is why I really agree, I disagree with the idea that Americans are happy having 20 banks, having 20 apps to do yeah, one to do yeah. each thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, that even if somebody's asking, they say, yeah, I'm happy because I'm served, but then some Steve Jobs comes and, you know, totally. that, it, it, right? Uh, uh, how you. would I know? Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly like that. And in any case, look, I mean, for me, the technology is there uh, and the technology is a wallet. And when I say a wallet, I'm talking a blockchain inspired and powered wallet that can hold everything, not only my cash, not only my IDs, not only, you know, my, my invoices and my history, my everything, right? Yes. And that is where we could get that type of uh, um, uh, connectivity that you, you spoke about across different sectors. It could be first entertainment, education, and, and commerce. And, you know, I, I don't know which ones will succeed, but it's through the wallet. So if we really get to, to construct a, a, a smart, intelligent, open wallet uh, not in the sense that is used right now in the again in the in the crypto sense then right. that is uh, the, uh, another thing right because uh, of course i'm not happy with the 50 apps and the 50 bank accounts and 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 on and on and we don't have that secure dashboard to manage our life right totally uh, and, and maybe, like, i don't want a bunch of different apps that do all these different things with really each with with a non-ubiquitous kind of user experience what's what's it's always an interesting thing as a platform when you're ios you go i want to offer apps to do is whatever they want but when you let them do whatever they want then the user experience on each one is different and that in, that makes it more difficult for users as you jump from one bank to another it's got it's got all these different things place uh things in different places but yeah i really agree with you I think a super app that happens in the West is going to be blockchain, digital ledger technology, or, or Web3 based. A lot of WeChat and Tencent success happened in an un... The one thing that article I think kind of gets right on this Forbes article is, and I actually can't remember if he... I don't think, actually, maybe he didn't mention this, but it's an unregulated environment is where Tencent happens. It's 
not so much regulation around monopolistic aspects. And that's what allows Tencent to have this huge ecosystem, an investment ecosystem, and then link it all to WeChat and have all these barriers up to not let Alibaba things be linked to WeChat. Yeah, That is kind of their success in, in that unregulated environment, but also WeChat Pay. It, and another thing he has on there, he says that WeChat Pay, its success in WeChat Pay, Alipay, their success is owed to unbanked people of China, which I always hear about, which is really weird to me because in order to be on WeChat Pay or Alipay, you need to be banked. So you go and get banked maybe to get on WeChat Pay, but you have to get banked first. And But but again, it's very it was really easy for WeChat Pay and Alipay because the government just said, yeah, go ahead, full support. And then every basically when WeChat Pay released, the day it was on, it was pretty much every bank could you could submit your bank card and link it to WeChat Pay. It was of every province. Whereas in the US, it's like to get all 50 states, it takes a really long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess uh I, I think I think it will be blockchain based because of all those regulations, because of the, the difficulty in every country. Blockchain makes a lot of that a lot more possible. Yeah, but Kevin, we'll have to to have another episode dedicated to regulation and talk about yeah, how that the the business model has changed in China for Tencent and 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 the Alibaba because of the regulatory crackdown and even blockchain. You know, uh, uh, Europe, of course, is a much friendlier um, uh, area. Um, I would call it a broad jurisdiction area in terms. Right blockchain regulation but still there Definitely. regulators can impose um, restrictions that can hinder innovation uh, so so in yeah. any case there's a lot of potential there um, a lot of technologies converging and a lot of uh, human capital with brilliant ideas as to to how to use these technologies um, and and develop um, uh, great user experiences and, and big platforms. So yeah. thank you so much for being uh, thank with you. us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I will, of course, share the link uh, to, to your book and your podcast and um, Wonderful. look forward to, to, be, to speaking to you uh, later uh, this year and getting an update uh, on, on your book, on, on what's going on in, in China and in the world where you uh, look at all these uh, developments through China, who is a leader in advanced uh, technologies, clearly. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me, Effie. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.